This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 14th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm pumped up about today's episode. It is a dummy's guide to what in the absolute world is happening with the Tennessee football program. Backstabbing, palace intrigue, people working against each other, Jeremy Pruitt maybe on the ropes, uh, but a big buyout of around 13 million hangs in the balance. It's it's incredible. This is some of the best college football gossip you're going to get. Uh, Wes Rucker of Go Vols 24-7 will be joining me in just a second. And then to supplement what, what Wes has to say, I'm bringing on a colleague of mine, Austin Nivison, massive Tennessee fan. And given that Tennessee's just had like the worst five years, 10 years, whatever, I think it's time we do a welfare check on how his Tennessee fandom's going and, and what the fan side of the Tennessee program wants moving forward. Before we do that, it's been a really newsy Wednesday in the college football world. So I'm going to read off a few headlines and maybe re- react to a few of them. It looks like Alabama is zeroing in on Bill O'Brien as its next offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien, of course, was recently fired as a head coach of the Houston Texans, and Bama needs a new OC after Steve Sarkeesian left for Texas. I saw a joke on Twitter that said, like, good thing for Devontae Smith, he's already moving on, or else Bill O'Brien would try to trade him for a washing machine. Get the humor, absolutely. You know, Bill O'Brien doesn't need to be in, in, in involved in, in personnel decisions, but he won't be as offensive coordinator. He's a great mastermind there. I think he'll do a good job in the Nick Saban Coaches Rehabilitation Program. They, they've had success with all different types of OCs there, especially guys from the NFL like Steve Sarkeesian and Brian Dable, who was, was there for one year, wasn't the most beloved coach that they've had. It's OCs, or you either love them or you really don't like them that much. But now he's crushing it with the Bills and, and would be in line for a head coaching job soon. So maybe Bill O'Brien has the same result. I think it would be a good match for both sides. Speaking of coaches, NFL, college, whatever, whatever, it looks like Jacksonville is pushing for Urban Meyer in a big way. There's a lot of talk that that thing could be happening soon. If Urban Meyer comes out of retirement to coach the Jags, who have a ton of cap space and the number one overall pick, it looks like, or it would be the smart guess that he would raid the current Ohio State staff to bring some assistance over with him. That would be really interesting to see how how Ryan Day responds, how the Ohio State fan base thinks about all that, and then what Ohio State does as far as going off to raid other college football programs and thereby creating a domino effect of college football assistance that would impact not just the football team, but also recruiting. So yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville is an NFL story, but there are a ton of college implications on the line. I saw Wednesday, and I was surprised to see this, Zamir White, Georgia's stud running back, is returning in 2021. The Bulldogs have had a few guys who could have gone pro come back, like Adam Anderson led the team in sacks, and Jamari Sawyer, an interior lineman. They lost Tyreek Stevenson to the transfer portal, the standout safety. I'm not sure why. Tyson Campbell, cornerback, several several other defenders are going pro as well. 
But this is a huge return for Georgia. They're going to have a really good offense in 2021. White had 779 yards. I'm looking at the stats and 11 touchdowns in 2020. It was great to see him healthy. He's a former five-star recruit, two ACL injuries in, in his career. He's living up to the hype and kind of cool to see a guy who has every reason in the world to go chase that NFL paycheck decide that he wants to come back for another year of college football. It's not so bad, is it? And then this is a perfect final note to end on because it's going to help us segue into Tennessee. Wanye Morris a former five-star in the class of 2019 offensive lineman, entered the transfer portal on Wednesday. Oklahoma's getting a lot of buzz for him, but this is this is a blow to Tennessee. Recently lost uh, running back Ty Chandler to the transfer portal as well. It's it's maybe a, a, an indictment on the current tomfoolery happening in Knoxville where the players there don't know who's going to be their coach this fall. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll just go right into my conversation with Wes Rucker of Go Vols 24-7 about that palace intrigue and, and about what's happening with Jeremy Pruitt and his compliance department and Phil Fulmer and, and the school officials and all that stuff and how they're possibly going to un- untangle themselves from another mess. The College Football Daily will be right back. Okay, Wes Rucker joins us right now. Wes, I was telling you before we hit record, I'm framing this as like a, a dummy's guide to what the heck's happening in knoxville so do you know like does this does this make any sense to you and 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 if it does can you sort of lay it out in 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 the simplest terms possible you know it's always tough to describe tennessee in any kind of simplistic term because there's always levels to everything that's going on it's kind of a soap opera honestly and i've been covering tennessee for about two decades now and and seen a lot of things um so you know if i just showed up in knoxville a couple weeks ago i'd have been like the hell's going on here, but uh, I've been here for a while. So I'm like, oh, it's just business as usual. You know, basically in short term, in the simplest terms possible, Tennessee is conducting an in-house investigation into some potential recruiting or extra benefit violations into what's going on with Jeremy Pruitt and his program. While at the same time, Tennessee is trying to decide whether it's going to keep Jeremy Pruitt and and what's going to go on moving forward. So I believe the the attorney, Michael Glazer, had been in town for a couple of weeks, and that's never a good thing because that guy's kind of a, an angel of death sometimes uh, when he shows up in town, uh, you know, because his job is traditionally to, um, you know, find ways to either mitigate buyouts or to kind of throw yourselves at the mercy of the NCAA and, and hope that things aren't aren't bad. So behind the scenes, from 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 this perspective anyway, it, it's been tough to thread this needle because the people that I've talked to, and I've talked to a lot of people over there, and they are very much in two camps, and, and both of those camps have a pointed agenda. You know, you, you've got the people people who are, you know, staunch allies of Pruitt who are saying this isn't that big of a deal. People are overblowing this. It's not going to be a big deal. This is people trying to, to to raise a fuss for no reason. And then you got people who would like Tennessee to have a new coach saying, oh, this is this is awful. You know, you got to got to get rid of him now. Team was three and seven anyway. This is not good. And, you know, both of those people have such a pointed interest that it's hard to kind of thread the needle and get the truth here. So long story short, it's kind of classic Tennessee for people who thought it was going to settle down. You you were wrong. It hasn't really. So tell me what's wrong about what I'm about to say. Someone at Tennessee didn't love the direction of the football program. The three and seven year was such a disappointment that they're hiring people to dig up dirt, I guess, on this, on this, on this Jeremy Pruitt regime to make it easier to fire him because if you dig up dirt, it lessens the buyout. Like that's the crude way to think about it. Am I wrong at all? I don't think you're wrong. I think that's an incomplete compendium. I, I guess I could say. I, I, I think that that's part of that is happening because someone in the Tennessee program wanted 
to sort of get some things out there. So you saw some stuff from, from an investigation leaking well before things like that would normally leak. I mean, let, let, let's look at Florida, for instance. You know, Florida, Dan Mullen got a show cause. There was probation there. The NCAA had adjudicated it. Things had gone that far. So we're talking a long process. And that didn't come out till well after the fact. What happened at Tennessee came out on the day of the final game of the regular season while this thing was still in the cradle. You know, that that's how early this was. So now Tennessee has to go through this entire process somewhat publicly when normally you would go through this thing privately behind the scenes. And that's, you know, that that's the issue that I have here. And, and I'm saying this as a journalist, you know, if a journalist is having to say, guys, can you keep some things in house? You know, that, that, that's, that, that's not what you want. You know, that there are people over there. What's that old expression kind of leaks like a sieve? I mean, that's sort of what's gone on there and, and things that they should be able to handle like adults behind the scenes are, are now being leaked on almost a daily basis. And now it's a story. It, it didn't have to be a story, but now it is. And so now what does that mean? Well, that means that you've put a whole lot of indecision and a whole lot of uncertainty into this. And now Tennessee is trying to uh, get some some guys to stay in the program, some players not leave, had some players go to the portal that they didn't want to lose, including the biggest one uh, happened just a little bit ago was Wanye Morris. That, that that's the worst news so far. In fact, that's the only holy bleep moment that they've had so far, I think, from the portal. But there were, you know, they got Hendon Hooker. They hired yeah. Kevin Steele. So they've, they've been able to do some things. But, and I was told by people that I 100% trust that Tennessee had at least a half dozen guys lined up from the portal to come because they saw a golden opportunity for playing time. And now those guys, they're, they're, they're not sure. They don't know, okay, do I really want to go there? And, and so you've got, you're really kind of hurting your roster in the here and now. And if you're Tennessee now, do you really, why would you want to go through a head coaching change right now? I don't think across the country, you're seeing a lot of good results from that. Do you want to bring in a head coach when you're economically not in a great position? Uh, do you want to bring in a new head coach when you're going to have to pay well above market value? And do you want a new head coach during the middle of a, of a pandemic where you can't go out and travel? So you can't go to high schools across the state. You can't go get face-to-face meetings with some of these guys and build relationships. It's just an awful time to be trying to get a head football coach. And and frankly, I don't understand why Auburn did it. Uh, and to a lesser extent, I don't understand why Tennessee is even considering it. But if there's something from that that investigation that's like 1960s or 1970s Southwest Conference bad, then you don't have a choice. But do we know that? I, I don't know that we know that. If you're Jeremy Pruitt, you're probably pretty frustrated. I would assume like this needs to wrap up you and I would agree that it, it should have wrapped up a while ago slash never really been leaked. We know why it was leaked. When when do you think this even wraps up? Because like we're getting to a point where I can't imagine your job, Wes, like writing about a football team that everything about it is in flux. It is confusing. And, and you know, because of, of, of COVID restrictions, you know, the, the students were sent back home earlier than usual. I think they just didn't come back after Thanksgiving break, which is which is different. They normally come back for a couple more weeks. And then the new semester, the spring semesters, doesn't start until January 20th, I think. And that that's a good two, three weeks later, or a good two weeks later than normal, at least. So Tennessee, the players, you know, the students enroll January 20th for the new semester. So you need 
you know, you need for guys in the portal, guys who are going to stay, guys who who, who want to come into the program. They need to know some things pretty quickly here. And, and I don't know that Tennessee is going to be able to get a lot of this stuff wrapped up by then. Now, maybe it could, you know, maybe maybe Jeremy Pruitt goes and interviews um, with some of these investigators and they throw some things against the wall and he says, OK, let's discuss a buyout here that where we're both happy. Let's let's have some mitigation and, and get a resolution to this and move on. You don't have to pay me all of it, but you got to pay me some of it. Or maybe he plays hardball. I, I don't know. Or maybe Tennessee says, you know what, we're going to fire a couple of assistant coaches. And, and maybe that's why Kevin Steele came in to be a linebackers coach. You know, that that's that's a possibility also. But so many things can change. I mean, you know, normally we'd be talking about, okay, what's the team look like going into spring practice? Here are the guys coming in. Here's the development you want to see. Here's the guys who will, the new guys who will be here in spring practice. And we kind of have to put a pause on all that because we have to say, wait, who's A, coaching this team? And B, who's playing on this team? So we don't really know that. So we can't really tell you a ton because Tennessee hasn't decided. Fortunately for us, Tennessee's also got a really good basketball program. So we got we got stuff to, to talk about and things to do. But football-wise, it's like covering a soap opera. It's not covering football. I think one one wrinkle to this story that maybe you thought about I was thinking about this. I was like, all right, so today I'm going to do a podcast with Wes Rucker about Tennessee football and there's, you know, leaks and backstabbing, whatever. But at the heart of it is some recruiting violations. And I was trying to think about the, like the last time that that really mattered on a serious level. You know, we're not going to sit here and share stories about, oh, uh, this guy was, this happened and that happened across this program and that program. But you mentioned the Danimal and show cause, like things like that happen, uh, you know, I think the the Hugh Freeze stuff. What what did him in in Oxford was the 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 mistress and, and the escorts, not the fact that he was uh, you know improperly recruiting players. It just kind of feels funny that in 2021, people are in a room trying to act like they care about recruiting violations. To me, yeah, that that is farcical. Would be the word I would use to describe it. Now, now again, there there could be things in this investigation that are bad, but but when you look across the country, it's like we have to say what what really is bad. I mean, is like everyone and their mother and their father getting a car? Like, are you buying houses for people? You know, are you giving them their own you know airplanes? I mean, what are you doing that is worse than other people have been you know convicted of doing? And you've kind of slapped them on the wrist and moved on. Like, how bad would this have to be in order to do that? And, and that's why I think, and I see this a lot with Tennessee, and I've said this a lot with Tennessee, it, it will cut off its nose to spite its face without blinking. And I hope that this is not a deal where they want a new head coach, but they run a little bit short of money because it's been a tough year economically. So they're trying to bring in someone to sort of help them along with that process. I don't know that that's the case, but the fact that we're even considering that possibility tells you how bad that is. And it's, you know, when Tennessee hired Kevin Steele, like I made sure to get that contract as quickly as possible through the freedom of information request, just to make sure the AD and the chancellor had signed it because, you know, three years ago, Tennessee needed an athletic director, team needed a head football coach that turned into a search for an athletic director because mm-hmm. the current athletic director went rogue on his own dime across the country and tried to hire Mike Leach and ended up getting fired in part for that. And then they bring in a new athletic director. Then they go back to the head football coaching search. So it's just, it's a mess and they make themselves a pinata when they don't really have to. And that's what I'll never understand. It's like, you know, losing is a is a disease and, it, you know, it makes you sick. And the longer you have it, the sicker you get. And, and Tennessee hasn't won for 
consistently for, for like a dozen years now in football. This is one of the winningest programs in college football history. Losing for this long has made these people insane. It really has. But you get to a point where you've got to say, okay, what's the logical thing to do here? And, and what they're doing now, maybe it's the logical thing to do, but I'd like to see evidence of that. At this point, <laughs> Tennessee's going to have to show me receipts. Wes, good stuff. I appreciate you. Anytime, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks again to Wes Rucker, columnist and, and reporter for Go Vols 24-7. Does excellent work. I know these guys are uh, over there are probably not getting much sleep and, and a little bit confused as to what's happening to the football program that they're covering, but that's nothing new over in Tennessee. We're going to take another quick break, and on the other side of that, we'll have my conversation with Austin Nivison. Before we do that, though, I just want to encourage everybody to go ahead and subscribe to the Late Kick podcast with Josh Pate, as well as the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast hosted by Blair Angulo for even further comprehensive college football and recruiting coverage here on the 24-7 Sports platform. We've got a lot of great podcasts. We've got a lot of great team site podcasts, too. If you're listening to us from the national feed and you're a Tennessee fan and you want to hear more about Wes or more from what Wes has to say, they've got a great podcast over there as well. So. Sit tight. You're not going to want to miss what Austin Nivison has to say. The College Football Daily will be right back. Okay, I'm bringing in Austin Nivison right now. Austin, it was nice to catch up with you before we hit record. I haven't seen you in like a year, and I, I know you're excited right now and getting ready for hockey season for your Nashville Predators. But assuming you're tracking this Tennessee stuff, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like I would. I would. I would imagine there's like some confusion. There's some frustration. There's maybe some fan anger because it just feels like purgatory is never going to end. So will you just tell me and tell everyone listening on behalf of the Tennessee Volunteer fan base how you all feel? You took the word right out of my mouth. I was going to say purgatory. Great word used to describe it because it doesn't. You know, who knows if Jeremy Pruitt is staying? Whether he's going. And you just kind of feel like you're stuck in limbo. Neither option feels that appealing right now. You either retain Jeremy Pruitt for 2021 after a pretty disastrous end of the 2020 season. And you also have the option to get rid of him and go through another coaching search, which, you know, I don't know (laughs) how many fans have confidence in the university to make the right hire after seeing how the last few hires have gone. So you're in purgatory. And the worst part about it is, there doesn't seem to be much light at the end of the tunnel, no matter which direction the school chooses to go. So it's incredibly frustrating to see a program that has as many resources as Tennessee has to kind of be stuck in the mud and really be without any kind of direction at all these days. We're in the same boat, you know, like the, my Texas stuff. It's I, I understand for me, like when I, when I think about like when Tom Herman lost me, I could, you know, a thousand different times and I, I would not be able to tell you one specific time, but I'm going to unfairly ask you for your one specific time when Jeremy Pruitt and this staff, when you really started to get concerned, what is it? I think for me, it's pretty easy to identify. For me, it's the Kentucky game this year. Now the second half of the Georgia game, which was right before the Kentucky game, that was a disaster. Tennessee had a halftime lead against Kentucky but then they completely imploded. You know, Jarrett Garantano turned the ball over several times. That second half, the offense was a complete disaster. But at the time, you just said, okay, Georgia's defense is just that good. They're an elite defense. It happens. It's okay, move on, beat Kentucky next week. Then they come out against Kentucky. Garantano throws two pick sixes. Jeremy Pruitt keeps rolling them out there. The team was a complete mess from really start to finish in that Kentucky game. 
and Tennessee does not lose to Kentucky. Even with Tennessee's not very good, they typically don't lose to Kentucky. So to have a lopsided outcome, I think it was 34 to seven in favor of the Wildcats. That was a huge red flag, I think, for everyone involved. I think for me, that's really when the wheels started to come off. I feel bad for the fan base in Knoxville because you mentioned there's really no clear, whatever they decide to do, you're not going to be too jazzed about Jeremy Pruitt in 2021. And a coaching search was such a disaster the last time. We all love coaching searches. You'll get excited for one, Austin, if you have one. But it was so bad the last time, and the options just haven't worked. I understand why it would be hard to 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 get amped for it. If you close your eyes and say, all right, in April, I'm going to be a, an optimistic volunteer fan who's excited about the future, what does that reality look like? Is it more likely that Tennessee makes some staffing changes and sells you on this new vision for an offense, maybe builds around Hendon Hooker, or is it a new coach leading the charges? You know, I guess the the hire of Kevin Steele today, as we speak, that seems to be a step in the right direction in terms of talking about staff changes. But I also think that, look, if we have a spring practice as normal and a guy like Harrison Bailey or Caden Salter looks really, really good, then, yeah, I'm more inclined to be excited because, well, quarterback, as you and I both know, is a position that can kind of change the fortunes of a program in college football or even in the NFL, too, for that matter. If one of those two guys shines, that's great. But beyond that, if we're just talking what's it look like in April that I'm feeling excited, I don't know that there's much over the next few months that would really get me that excited, uh, short of them firing Pruitt and making a hire that I may not expect them to make and hiring someone that I think the entire fan base can get excited about, which I don't know if that guy is out there right now. Austin, you're bumming me out. What is your fan base tank level at right now? Like Austin is 75% still a diehard Tennessee fan. Austin is 95%. Austin is 35%. I'm still still all the way in. I'm still all the way in. You know, I I know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to beat Pitt in September, and I'm going to get excited, talk myself into the team a little bit. But I, right now, with more sober thoughts, I just don't see how this team as currently constructed – really moves the needle next year but i'm still all the way in i'm always going to go all the way in like you said tennessee fans even though they want to we sometimes we want to act apathetic we want to act like we're done with the program that's not true but it, it, it is hard for me to get excited and get get amped up about the 2021 season last one for you expectations for tennessee expectations for texas expectations for nebraska for michigan for florida state for miami It feels like national people are always telling us, Austin, what our realistic expectations should be. Sometimes I think it's a little bit unfair. Like, say you're a Michigan fan and someone's like, you know what, man? You should just be happy with nine wins. A Michigan fan might say, like, great, yeah, sure, but like, I'd like to win the Big Ten East and even maybe the Big Ten one day. For a Tennessee fan, I might say, okay, Austin, like, I don't know how you're going to beat Georgia and Florida in the same year. You know, 10 wins, that could be a good season for you. What do you harbor as a good season for Tennessee? And, and are the expectations among the fan base, do you expect future playoff contention going forward? I think the program has a ceiling of playoff contention, at getting to the playoffs really and competing for a national championship. But I don't know if that's going to be a perennial thing under really any head coach. 
it is frustrating when kind of people say, well, you just need to be, be okay with nine or 10 wins. That's just where Tennessee is right now. Because if I look at a program like Clemson, I think early in the Dabo Swinney tenure, I think people probably would have said the same thing to Clemson fans. And obviously he's been able to elevate that program much higher than that. I think that Tennessee has the resources, like I said, to compete for playoff spots in the future. I kind of look at something like an Auburn under Gus Malzahn, where you're not competing for a national championship every year, but you're beating Alabama on a regular basis. You're getting to the SEC championship game. You're giving yourself a chance to get to the playoff and compete for national championships every other year, every few years. That, I think is doable at Tennessee, but it's going to take the right coaching hire to make that happen. And again, I go back to, do I have faith in uh, the school to make the right hire? I don't know. Keep the faith, Austin. It's going to work out. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, no problem. All right, Austin. It was good to have you on for the first time ever. Thanks again to Wes and Austin for joining us to break down this big orange mess that's happening at what was once college football's, one of college football's proudest programs and now just can't get itself out of the news and can't stop being a laughing stock. I am personally rooting for Tennessee to figure this out and to find brighter, more fun days ahead because college football is better when Rocky Top means something. So my name is Trey Scott. Our producer is Lance Glenn. We'll be back tomorrow on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily talking about how college football and its quarterbacks and its offensive schemes are invading the NFL ahead of what's going to be a really great playoff weekend. 